Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 56 of the Flying Free Podcast. You guys, I am so, so excited to have Gretchen with us again. She has been with us a couple of times in the past, um, talking about her upcoming book last year, but her book is now out and she agreed to um, come and do a couple of podcasts, one today and then one in a few weeks, um, talking about divorce. And her book is called Life Saving Divorce. And it is apps. I just got my copy in the mail um, this week, and it is absolutely phenomenal. I just started reading it last night, and I just I cannot put it down. Well, I had to because I got too tired, but it is so <laughs> so good. Gretchen, welcome to the podcast again. <laughs> Thank you so much, Natalie. And it was great meeting you recently, and uh, it's just inspiring to be around you. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, I feel the same about you. So I. Um, for those of you who maybe didn't hear earlier podcast episodes, I uh, where I interviewed Gretchen, I found Gretchen on Twitter, and she was tweeting all of these. By the way, what is your Twitter handle in case people want to jump on there? It's GG Baskerville. Okay, so GG Baskerville, and she, um, her tweets were like crazy good, and so uh, and they were all about you know they were about divorce. And from a Christian perspective, and they were just so um, profound. And I started, I, I started following her and I realized that she was tweeting all these great tweets because she was actually writing this book. And so I'm, you know, in the, in the process of her researching, she was putting out some of these great tweets. And I thought, man, alive, if this, if this book is like her tweets, this is going to be an amazing <laughs> book. And so um, I interviewed her a couple of times last year. I should have come prepared. Um, you know what I'll do? I'll put in the pod, in the notes, I'll put links to her past podcast so you can listen to what she's said in the past. And then she also did a expert workshop in the Flying Free Sisterhood group, which is a locked group. But if you are interested in finding out more... Um, you can find out more at uh, joinflyingfree.com. Anyway, she did a, an expert workshop in there called the 90 day escape plan, where she explains all the steps that you, there were like 40, how many steps were there? Yeah, it was, it was like 40 or 50. Yeah. yeah there were like a lot of steps, that, but they weren't all, you know, overwhelming or anything. But, you know, if you followed those steps in 90 days, you could be really, really prepared to file for doors if that's what you wanted to do. So, but anyways, I want to, um, we got, so Gretchen, we got three questions from people on the Facebook page about you know, questions that had to do with divorce. And I thought, sure, you are the perfect person to ask. <laughs> and I also wanted to re just remind people about you and just let people know that your book is now out. It's on amazon.com. It's called the life-saving divorce by Gretchen Baskerville. It's written from a Christian perspective. Gretchen has years and years of experience working with, um, women who have been divorced and, or women who are in the process of being divorced because, uh, you know, it, we're talking life-saving divorce this year. So without any further ado, Gretchen, I'm going to ask you your first question, okay? Shoot, let's go for it. All right. How do you explain things to your children during and after divorce? My children are eight and 10. 
And while they don't need to know the gory details, I want them to know and understand that what they've seen their whole lives is not normal. It's not healthy and it's not love. But I don't want to teach them to disparage their father either. So how... What, what, what would you tell this woman? Right. So if I were face to face with this woman, I'd ask a lot of questions about, you know, what kind of information does she want to shield her kids from right now? Uh, the fact that she's talking uh, about this, the fact that she's asking this question tells me that she actually has really good intuition and she, her guts are telling her um, that things uh, aren't age appropriate to discuss with her kids. And I agree with her. I was in a situation just like this. My ex-husband was involved with a lot of immoral activities and my little children were around preschool age and it just wasn't appropriate to say anything. Uh, they didn't observe it. Okay. So that's the big key. Are they, is there something they're observing? Um, and if they didn't observe it, then you have a, a different direction you want to go. Let's say that they are observing things. Uh, for example, I'm not sure what this woman is facing, but she talks about, you know, their whole lives haven't been normal. What they've been seeing isn't healthy or loving. They're going to figure out, uh, healthy and loving, um, relationships just from being in your home. And then going back and forth between your home and your ex's home. Mm. So that, that almost doesn't need to be discussed from the standpoint of what's healthy and what's not, because they're just going to feel it just going from house to house. Um, but let's talk about the situation where there are, uh, there are activities going on that they had no knowledge of. What do you do about that? Uh, let's say there were affairs. Let's say there was uh, child porn viewing. Uh, let's say that there were um, other, um, you know, maybe maybe even felonies going on, uh, or other kinds of felonies, because of course that's already a felony. Um, I would say that you know, as a mom, I knew as a mom that someday. My kids might want to know more about the divorce. And even at that age, they would ask me questions and I thought, oh, I don't want to go there. That's just not age appropriate. But someday it will be age appropriate. And I figured that that age would be 21. And so uh, it is part of their life story. Uh, you can't keep this stuff hidden. If you try to keep it hidden, they will eventually hear it from someone else if you don't tell them. Mm -hmm. So it's best if you can keep the line of communication open and control the version of the story they hear, right? Because otherwise, you know, their friends, your friends, kids, you know, they'll hear it from other people. So you really want to um, agree with them that you know, what happened in this family was really bad, uh, that you forgave over and over. But at some point you had to draw the line and say, this bad behavior, uh, is continuing and I need to, you know, get us out of the here, get us out of this situation. Mm -hmm. So, um, what I told my kids is when they turned 21, they could ask any question they wanted and I would answer completely truthfully. And so that's what I did. Um, I did have uh, a lot of immoral things going on that just weren't appropriate for a four-year-old and six-year-old. Mm. And they each asked me, and I told them the truth. I even kept uh, two big banker's boxes full of documents if they ever wanted to see them. Uh, neither of them wanted to see them. They just wanted to hear from me my version of the story. And believe it or not, 
they, the older one said, oh, okay, I think I had overheard you talking on the phone. So this jives with what I kind of thought was going on. And the other one said, oh my goodness, I had no, no idea. Um, but because uh, he was older, he was able to absorb it better. And we talked the next day and I said, how are you dealing with this? And he said, you know, mom, I'm, I'm okay with it. If I have uh, other questions, I'll, I'll ask you, but I just want you to know, thank you for divorcing dad. Um, mm. And that was really important. Wow. So that, that's really good. Um, in my situation, I'll just throw this out for whatever it's worth. I made a huge mistake when I, you know, I, I didn't get out of my relationship until um, I had, well, I had nine kids. And so some of them were older, like in their mm. late teens, early twenties. And I didn't, um, because I waited so long to get out thinking, and also because I thought that divorce wasn't an option. If I would have had your book, this would have <laughs> really opened up my eyes to see, whoa, this is so pathological. I need to get out, not only for my sake, but for the sake of my kids. But I didn't know that. And so right. I actually, you, because my kids actually observed so much of my ex-husband's behaviors, because he treated them the same way he was treating me, it, and it wasn't sexual, it was just covert, you know, passive aggressive kind of behaviors, um, they were experiencing the same kinds of stuff. So we actually triangulated, Do you, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? We mm -hmm. talked about their dad and what he was doing to us. And that was not healthy for any of us. I mean, I think it's good to talk about things, but I was really using them as a sounding board because I wasn't allowed in the church to, you know, quote unquote, gossip about my husband. So those of us who were living in the environment, we talked amongst each other. And looking back, I wish I would have gotten, I wish I would have had somebody else outside of the family to talk to so that I could have actually right. just been a support to my kids instead of using my older kids as a sounding board for my emotional trauma. Okay. So right. if you are in that situation and you're using your older kids that way, you is better read, read Gretchen's book and find out that there's actually a healthier way to deal with a, a, an abusive, an emotionally abusive relationship. There's a healthier way to protect yourself and your kids. So, and then too, I wanted to add that um, for my younger kids, when we did, when I did finally file for divorce and get out, um, I read them books. You can get books at the library that talk mm. about divorce in general you know, so it, so that it kind of normalizes the whole divorce process for them. So they don't feel mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, our family's the only one that's ever gone through this, which is a complete lie. Um, but also whenever my kids come home from their dad's house, just like Gretchen said, they come home from their dad's house and they tell me, I don't even ask them because honestly, the things they tell me are super triggering for me. So I don't ask them, but they offer because they trust me, they tell me what happens over there. And then I always just ask them, how does that make you feel? And what have you mm. learned from these behaviors? What do you, you know, what are, what are some ways that you can respond um, to protect yourself from these kinds of behaviors, just so that they're not denying it or not pretending like it's, it's okay for adults to treat people like this. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to know it's not okay, but I want them to come to those conclusions not me. You don't have to even bad talk your ex-husband. 
um, all you have to do is just listen to what your kids are saying and validate their experiences because that's what they need. They need to know, you know, this really happened. Yes. My dad really does say these things. Yes. My dad really does treat me this way and no, it's not appropriate. So, right. Right. No, I, I, I appreciate your insight because you did have older kids where I had younger kids and it does, it does really make a, a difference. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Good. And what they're dealing with, obviously you're not going to be, you know, talking about sexual issues with your younger kids. That's, you know, that's just a, a no brainer, but uh, I think a lot of people are dealing with just, just that the, you know, just the undercurrent of passive aggressive behavior. That's just always present or the walking on eggshells or, and their kids are dealing with that too. And just not sure. Yeah. So anyway, it gets complicated, but let's go to, let's go on to the next question. Um, so how did you, Gretchen, how did you rebuild your life or how do you, do you suggest that a person go about the process of rebuilding their lives as a single person after their divorce? Cause you were single for a long time. So, and you know what, this is, this I think was one of the topics of our, of a podcast that you did. The entire podcast was on rebuilding your life as a single person, but why don't we right. touch on that now? And then people can go and hear more details in that other podcast. Yeah, I think that was episode 33, because I was a single for 20 years after divorcing. I didn't yeah. expect that as a, you know, as a devout Christian. That was not part of my game plan, for sure. But I'll tell you, when I look at those years, I think, wow, how rich, meaningful, purposeful. I'm married now. I married about three years ago. But wow, those years were amazing. So let me... I, you know, I thought, you know, since we've already done a whole podcast on that, I thought, well, let's just try to break it down to maybe a five minute explanation. But um, depending on where you are with, you know, God or faith, you know, one of the first things I recommend doing is finding an affirmation or a Bible verse to put up on your mirror or your fridge. Something that says that, uh, you know, maybe Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he's, he's walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, or verses like 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. So I, I like having a little in affirmation that I just say in the morning and say before I go to bed. Mm. And then second, um, it's, well known that the first two years of divorce are just really painful. Uh, and, and there's a logistical reason for that. First of all, divorce just involves so many changes. There's moving, there's legal documents, there's school, there's uh, your kids' feelings, there's maybe moving to a new school, there's setting up new bank accounts, doing your taxes, finding a better job, there's the friction between you and your ex. So all these all these factors, which would have been easy if it had taken place over 10 years, uh, you would have been able to handle all these things if you had you know, years to handle them. But when you compress them into one or two years, it's incredibly stressful. Mm -hmm. And so be gentle on yourself those first one or two years. Just say, you know what? I know these are the, these are the bad years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep trudging on and eventually... I'm going to start seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I usually tell people that the first six months are horrible. Uh, by the end of the first year, you should be able to smile. By the end of the second year, you should be able to, you know, laugh and start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, 
that all of this is predicated on whether or not you're safe. So getting safe is really your top, uh, your top goal, getting you and your kids safe if you can. And then do expect to be happier. Uh, if you have exited from a long abusive marriage, say, you know, for years, your chances of being uh, happier are actually quite good. And researchers, uh, Hawkins and Booth, way back in 2005, discovered that after these long abusive marriages, where there's a lot of passive aggressiveness, uh, there's, uh, there may be violence, there's a lot of walking on eggshells, that you actually will come out happier. And if you choose to remarry, if that's you know something you'd really like to do, uh, your your uh, remarriage is likely to be happy after a long, unhappy, destructive marriage. So that's that's a good good news. Uh, fourth, I would say find your voice. Uh, when you've been in an abusive relationship. Uh, you don't have a voice. Uh, you have told yourself to stay quiet and your spouse has told you to stay quiet. So revel in your, your in making your own decisions without interference from someone else. I mean, if you want to paint your kitchen pink, do that. Um, I found myself um, doing, like spending money on things that other people were were um, even like repairs. It's like, oh, wow, I finally get to put a, a brand new roof on this house without having to consult my ex-husband. I, I am so thrilled. And people were saying, uh, that roof is going to cost you thousands of dollars. Why are you so happy? But I had my own voice. I had my own agency. And I could make my own decision without interference from him. And I'll tell you, that was just great. So um, really enjoy that. Leaning, lean into finding your own voice and your own agency. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a, go, oh, go, go for it. No, I was, I was just going to piggyback off of that thought that, you know, a lot of times we get our identity from other people, especially if we've been in a marriage like that, we get our identity from our church, from our ministry, from our spouse, from our friends. And we, and then when we're all of a sudden we're single, we realize, oh my gosh, who am I? You know, I didn't, everyone else made decisions for me. I looked to other people for the direction for my life. And now I'm by myself. Who in the world am I? And we, sometimes we try to fill that uncomfortable gap or uncomfortable feeling by looking for, again, for somebody else to validate us, to hold up a mirror so we can see ourselves again. And mm -hmm. I think that's really, it's what it is, is it's a golden opportunity to do some serious deep healing inside of yourself so that you get your identity from Christ for sure, but also from who he made you, that you are strong just by yourself, that you, you are comfortable in your own skin, that you can go to a restaurant and have dinner by yourself or go to the movie theater and have, have a date night with yourself. And you mm -hmm. actually feel really happy about doing that. Um, I don't know. I think if you can get to that place too, you're, you'll be in a healthier place to, um, then get into a new relationship as well, because then you're no longer like looking to use someone for your, um, you know, to reflect who you are, but you've, you're already strong in yourself and you, you'll be able to give to someone and you'll be able to look for someone who is, um, also strong in themselves. You'll be more attracted to that kind of person and they'll be more attracted to you. So I don't know. That's just another little, yeah, I didn't no, mean to I interrupt. I feel like, no, I, no. go ahead. Were no, you we, well, things? 
Yeah, I do. Um, oh, good. Awesome. You, know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, that you're, you were, you know, told, you know, not to gossip, but the truth of the matter is one of the most healing things after trauma, the trauma of being in an abusive relationship for a long time is telling your story to save people because the way you stayed in this abusive relationship was covering it up and hiding it. And that destroys you, your psyche, your sanity, your physical health. So it's time to start uh, telling your story to safe people, right? The operative word is safe people. Find some resilient friends who've walked in your shoes. About one in four people of faith have ever divorced. And so there's a good chance there might be someone who will surprise you, who will be a really great listening ear. Um, You know, none of us want to whine, you know, about the perils of marriage to our single friends or to our children, of course, and we've already discussed that. And we don't want to be a burden to our married friends, but you know, this is our story. It is our truth. And we, we do need to find someone safe to share it with. Um, and then, uh, I would say definitely get active with the survivor community, get, uh, you know, uh, get active with Natalie's group. Um, there are, yeah, I mean, I think Natalie is unusually gifted in this area, uh, but there's all kinds of uh, secret Facebook groups that may even uh, be uh, offer you support in an area that is specific to what you uh, faced in your marriage. So if it was gambling or whether it was uh, child porn or whether it was um, infidelity or maybe... Um, you know, something else. There are actually secret Facebook pages uh, or groups that that focus on those kinds of specifics. And then, of course, get therapy. Um, I wanted to share one story if we have time. Yeah. Would that be okay? Okay, oh, yeah. so uh, Judith Herman's book, Trauma and Recovery, is sort of the landmark book on trauma. And in her book, she tells the story of two World War II doctors who, dis- who discovered that even the strongest and toughest soldier would have trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, if they were in combat for 240 days. So imagine that if the combat that happens in an abusive marriage for 20 years is a lot closer to 7,000 days of combat, you have really been through a lot. Uh, you know, you have uh, many people I've interviewed have post-traumatic stress disorder or even uh, com- complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And you really need to find a good therapist uh, and a support group and perhaps group therapy. And if you can't afford a therapist, and I know many, many people listening to this podcast cannot, talk to the other survivors in these abuse groups. Natalie's is top-notch. Uh, and you know, watch for the secret groups on, on Facebook. But you're going to need some therapy after 7,000 days of combat. Uh, you have the fact that your health isn't great, the fact that mentally you're really exhausted, the fact that, uh, you know, the whole idea of standing another day and fighting isn't something you think you can do. Um, that's understandable because of what you've been through. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of, you know, at the beginning of your book, you talk about how so many women are, um, they are actually, by the time they're thinking about killing themselves, that's when you know, okay, it's time for a life-saving, literally life-saving divorce because that's not, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because there are so many women who don't understand why 
they, why they feel, why they are physically falling apart, like literally mentally, emotionally, and physically completely falling apart. They don't understand the, the dire circumstances that they are in and that they are actually dealing with something that's just as traumatic as seeing an accident happen or only they've been dealing with it for such a long, long time. And the healing process is obviously not going to happen overnight. So a lot of people think too, you know, I've been out of my, I hear this so much. I've been divorced now for a year or two years and I still just feel so sad. I still feel like I'm just stuck. Well, this is a, this is a long, this is a long road of recovery. And when you've been brainwashed, I I really believe it's an insidious form of brainwashing to Mm -hmm. rewire your brain and to get healthy. It's, and a lot of these people who are still stuck, they really haven't gotten the help that they need. They, cause they haven't known how they haven't really Mm -hmm. known, uh, how, you know, they haven't really understood the ramifications of what they've been through. But once you start getting help, it takes a long time, but you can get better. And Gretchen, you've seen this over and over happen with the women that you've worked with. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So another question that people have is how, you know, they're really scared of losing everything in a divorce and you do lose a lot, but (laughs) you have practical tips. um, I know because I've heard them. And I'm sure you're going to, I've only started your book, but I'm sure you talk about this in your book too. What are some ways that people can sort of preempt losing or make them the losses, minimize the losses, I guess. What are some ways they can prepare to do that? Right. So you're, you're absolutely right. I've, I've redone the, the tips and, um, that I, they're already part of your sisterhood, uh, video and I've put them in the book. And so you can see the, the various tips on, on how to be proactive as you look um, toward the future and suspect, I think this may be going to divorce. First of all, number, and I did a uh, interview, a Christian divorce attorney. And I said, you know, what are the common mistakes that uh, women make in divorce? And so he gave me, you know, the, the, the most common ones and they're in the book, but I would say for the purpose of this podcast, number one, get an attorney. If you actually have assets now, if you have no assets, no kids, um, you could probably pretty much do this you know, at the courthouse and, and it's going to be easy. And, you know, the forms aren't going to be that expensive. Also, if you're disabled, by the way, um, in, in my city, um, if, or in, in, you know, my County, if you're disabled, you can get your divorce free, handled free, which is um, unbelievable. Um, because, you know, divorce can be a little bit expensive, Mm -hmm. but number one is get an attorney. Don't think that don't, um, you know, if you if your spouse has always been abusive, they're going to be abusive through the divorce process too. And you need that attorney to protect you and to um, help you. But having said that, number two is be proactive in your case. So your attorney is handling other cases. The mediator is handling other cases. The judge is handling other cases. In fact, that mediator and judge may actually be handling a thousand different cases this year alone. And that means that they may overlook something. So you need to be on top of it. You need to keep reminding them of the facts of the situation. Um, You need to put on your detective hat and find those facts and just be involved. Be be proactive. Don't sit there and hope that someone's going to rescue you because even if their intention is good, they want to rescue you, they've got 
a billion other people that they're interacting with too, and they may forget something really important from your case. Mm -hmm. Number three is treat your divorce as businesslike as possible and keep the emotions out of it as much as possible. I One of the biggest mistakes this Christian divorce attorney was telling me is so many people want to make this about the infidelity or so many people want to make this about the abuse. You know, just don't you know, don't go there, uh, that we have no fault divorce in every state in the U S just, this is not, uh, the time to, um, try to lambast and, and, um, your, your spouse in court, just get out of there with your money and your sanity as fast as can, as you can. So ask your attorney right up front, even when you're interviewing based on my as you bring in your asset sheet, you bring out in, you know, how much money your spouse makes, how much money you make and say, Hey, um, attorney based on these assets, my house, the cars, maybe a business, how much spousal and child support do you think I can get and why? And how much of these assets do you think I can get and why? Because almost every state has some kind of guidelines that they consider to be fair so you should kind of expect to get about 50-50, 60-40 in the worst case. But, you know, don't, these states have got, you're not the first per, human being to go through a divorce in this state. The state kind of wants this to be fair. They kind of want it to be 50-50, but you need to talk to your attorney about your own state and your own situation uh, on how you get to fairness. And that's what you're aiming for. You want this to be business-like and you want to get half of your assets and get out of there so you can rebuild your life. So, um, Yeah, I've heard uh, that judges don't like drama. So if you're, no, they do you're not. coming to the table with drama, they will already be unfavorably disposed toward you. And you don't want your judge to be, to have bad feelings towards you. Yeah. Be as businesslike as you possibly can. Treat it as if you and your spouse are business partners and you just want to split the assets and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, if your spouse doesn't use like overtly hostile tactics, um, maybe their tactics are more like stonewalling and ignoring you and not engaging you know, uh, this is the time to just make it all business, not personal, just, just move forward. Mm -hmm. Also, I I mentioned it, but this is not the place to get justice or moral vindication or punish your bad spouse in court. Just Mm -hmm. focus on having peace and safety and a fair division of assets. If you do have a dangerous spouse, I do have a whole section at the end of chapter seven on these, uh, vitriolic, vengeful, angry spouses and divorces where there's parental alienation. In other words, your spouse is actually actively trying to turn the kids against you. Uh, then you're going to want to be documenting the lies and the threats and the accusations and, um, and doing that, uh, in, in, in written form, uh, and then showing those to your attorney. Um, but, uh, and, and I've also, for those of you in that situation where, you know, you've got someone who's extremely hostile, um, uh, I've got a whole list of books on my website, um, on books on hostile divorces, parental alienation, uh, and there's just some excellent ones out there. You don't, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not the first person to go through a, a hostile, uh, divorce against a, a narcissist or a, or sociopath. Uh, there are lots of books written on how to do this and how to do it well and come out with your sanity and your assets if possible. And what is the URL of your website? 
Okay, so it's lifesavingdivorce.com. Links is the, the links page is my page that has all the best book recommendations. Of course, Natalie's is in there. Uh, but uh, section 10 on my links page, again, that's lifesavingdivorce.com. That uh, section 10 on the links page is um, will give you uh, the, the, you know, tried and true excellent books on uh, dealing with hostile uh, vengeful divorces. And these are unusual divorces. This doesn't happen all the time. This is only one in 10 of uh, divorces that go to court are this bad. So you're going to need uh, people around you um, to understand that and to give you, you know, love and care and support. This is really good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, okay. So Gretchen, we are going to be having you back again to talk more about your book, but I want to close by just letting people know if you, her book is meaty. Like it's, how many pages is it? Do you know? <laughs> it's like 440 pages. Yeah. It's, it's huge. crazy. But it's so, so good. I mean, it's, it's gold. So I, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm going to be telling everybody about this book. It's going to be <laughs> one of my number one resources that I recommend to people. So go get her book. It's on Amazon right now, Life-Saving Divorce by Gretchen Baskerville. Um, Check out her website. I'll have all the links in the show notes here. And we're going to be bringing her back in a few weeks to talk, mainly to talk about her book. I'd like to kind of go into your book and talk about all the different things that, you, um, that you've covered. She's done tons of research. She's do totally done her homework. She's, I want to say badass. I hope that's okay with you, Gretchen. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're badass. <laughs> and, I just, and I just really think that this book is going to do, it's going to be, open the doors to prepare women, it really prepare them for walking through divorce, as well as for women who have already been divorced. And you know what else? If you are listening to this podcast, or if you know of someone who is a people helper, who wants to have a really a better understanding of what divorce for people of faith looks like, what it should look like, and how to support people of faith who are walking through life-saving divorces, please let them know about this podcast. Let them know about her book. I think we need to get this in as many hands as possible. I really think this book is going to start shifting um, the culture in our churches and our in our faith communities. I really do. So thank you so much, Gretchen, for writing the book. For t You took a long time. How long did it take you to about three years yeah and, you know so it's three years of writing and researching but also 20 years of experience behind her yeah. before she even wrote it so it's a high quality book and um i just cannot say enough good things about it but <laughs> we will talk more about the book in a few weeks and otherwise thank you so much for joining us gretchen you're um, very welcome until next time fly free